We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Norm Hightower, Assistant Managing Editor and Part Owner of Rams Talk. I'm joined today by Martin Cruz and Johnny Gomez. We're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback situation with the Los Angeles Rams and the comment from Eric Dickerson saying that he believes that Sean Mannion should start over Jared Goff. So guys, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. Beautiful day here in paradise. Can't complain. Awesome time to be a Rams fan, though, no doubt. You guys going to get a chance to go over and check out training camp? I'll, I'll definitely try. definitely want to go out there and see all the youngsters that are in there because Sean McVay made, made it very clear in past offensive schemes that he isn't afraid to use rookies. So that's one thing I want to see. I'm just excited to see on what, you know, what he's going to do with the new revamped offense now that we're you know no longer going to have the middle school offense, as some people have been describing it going on, let's see what, uh, you know, what he's going to bring to the table and his attitude uh, to the team. From what I hear, it's a lot of uh, a much more upbeat attitude compared to the previous regime. I have a lot of respect for Eric Dickerson just because he was such a great player for the Rams. But as far as his comments go, I, I don't know if uh, Mr. Dickerson is qualified to be a quarterback's coach or not. I've seen both quarterbacks, Goff and Mannion, play a lot in college, and we've seen, you know, a limited appearance by both uh, in the NFL. 
Uh, I haven't been to a practice like he has, so he's got that up on me. But uh, what do you guys think of his comments of saying that uh, Mannion should start over Goff? Martin, what do you think? I honestly, to put it bluntly, I think he's just trying to grasp for attention um, at this point. I think he's still trying to stay a little bit relevant, given you know what happened last year and the debacle with Jeff Fisher and the falling out because of it. I kind of think they're a little bit outlandish trying to put Sean Mannion in as a number one over Jared Goff. I get it. He was I actually looked better than Goff at times, but the Rams put in, you know, gave up essentially a bunch of draft picks to get this guy going. And I still believe last year was a mulligan. I think it was an accident given, you know, with the bad situation with the previous coaching staff. So I think it's just not adequate, at least at the moment, not right now, to have Sean Mannion go ahead of Jared Goff. I still think this should be Goff's team um, at quarterback until proven otherwise. Johnny, what do you think? You know, it's kind of one of those things where speculation in the offseason are kind of hand-in-hand. Hand. He definitely seemed much more poised than, than Goff did at times last year, especially in the preseason. Until we actually see Mannion really compete, it's, it's really hard to say that Mannion can take this job away. If Mannion does come out, you know, this, this offseason and during training camp, during preseason, if he comes out, you know, guns blazing, why not? Why not give him an opportunity to start? And I think what Eric Dickerson is seeing is maybe there is potential there. Maybe he can overthrow Goff. And not to say that this is Goff's last effort to being a starter in the in the NFL, because he is still talented. But give Mannion a shot, you know. Let, let's put aside the notion that we gave up the farm, essentially, for Goff. We, we have to put in the best player on a roster. And in this case, who knows, maybe Mannion is the one that's ready to start at the moment. And maybe Goff might be later down the line. That's just kind of my take on the matter. Well, does having a yellow jacket and being a hall of famer, uh, give you the right to be disruptive to a new team? Cause they're a new team. I mean, they got a new head coach. They're in a, a new city for their second year. Everything's being ramped, you know, revamped. This is this is essentially a new team. Sure, there's some of the same players, but this is going to be a new offense, a new defense, new head coaches, new assistant coaches, new rookies. I mean, it's a new team. So, you know, as much as I appreciate Eric Dickerson for what he did for our team, it really kind of pisses me off that he kind of causes this turmoil, you know, before the season starts. And not that I'm a big Jeff Fisher fan, but maybe I can understand where Fisher was coming from if he's going to go ahead and make comments like this, this to the press. Sure, Mannion, you know, at times looked impressive, but look at his stats. When he played in St. Louis, he played in one game. He was 6 for 7 for 31 yards. In L.A. in 2016, he played in one game. He went three for six for 19 yards, and he had an interception. Does that really? I mean, does that really sound impressive? He hasn't had any more chance really to run the offense than Jared Goff did, except Goff got thrown into the fire last year. And you know, let's face it, the team was not in the shape to have a number one overall pick come in and play quarterback and expect him to win. The offensive line was horrid last year. And not that they aren't quality players. You know, their offensive scheme and playbook was just horrible. And sure, Goff struggled last year. But I also want to look at games like when, he, when we played the Saints. Look at some of the plays he made, some of the throws he made. You know, I don't know that Mannion, hell, I don't know if Tom Brady or, or Aaron Rodgers could have come in and played quarterback for the Rams and done any better. So I can't understand why someone 
that supposedly loves the team and wants the team to succeed would go out and speak his mind to the press unless he's doing exactly what Martin said, and that is just to get attention and be relevant. I see it a little slightly differently. Uh, I mean, I don't think you should be pissed off at this at all because at the end of the day, I, I appreciate the fact that this Hall of Famer is coming in and still watching games and still joining tailgates and things like that. I think that is a wonderful thing, and it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, do we all agree with his comments? That stands for reason. I mean, you know, you don't have to necessarily agree with everything the man says because, you know, I can recall a time or two where I definitely didn't agree with him. So I don't know if you should necessarily get pissed off. I think it's more along the lines of, you know, you should kind of dissect what he's doing. More along the lines of just appreciating, you know, football talk. And I think that's essentially what part of it is, too. Just gearing up to get ready for the season to get started because, hell, man, it's been too long for football. That football drought is starting to get to all of us. And maybe it's starting to get to him, too. Yeah, well, let's be perfectly clear on this. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying I think the fact that he's causing turmoil is wrong. I'm a Sean Mannion fan. I talked highly of Mannion when we drafted him. I've watched him play for four years at Oregon State. You know, and if you look at his college stats at Oregon State, you know, they were pretty darn good. And that team didn't have a great offensive line the four years he played there. But, you know, for four years, and starting in 2011, he threw for 3,328, 24-46 in 2012, 4,662 in 2013 and 3,164 in 2014. You know, and his touchdown to interceptions as a freshman was 16 touchdowns to 18. Not not what you want to see. In his sophomore year, he was uh, 15 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Still not really what you want to see. But then in his junior year, when he had over 4,000 yards, he had 37 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. And then in same thing in 14, it was about 50, 50, you know, 50% of, of his touchdowns. So, you know, the guy's 6'6". He's built to be a quarterback. He was in a pro system. Yes, all of those things, I think, make him qualified to be a starter in the NFL if he can prove it on the field. But we didn't have the opportunity to let him do that. And then they go and they draft Jared Goff. So... Let's turn around and look at Goff's statistics. Goff only played three years in college. As a freshman on a really bad team, he threw for 3,508 yards for 18 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. In 2014, he threw for just shy of 4,000 yards with 35 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. And in 2015, he threw for 4,700 yards for 43 touchdowns and only 13 interceptions. So if you're going to base it solely off of college, Goff should win the starting job. So then you go to the pros and look at what Goff did last year for the Rams. Again, I think you have to put a huge asterisk next to any stats for him last year because of the offensive scheme that they ran, the coaches that they had, the whole entire situation. Uh, he played in seven games, threw for over 1,000 yards, had five touchdowns and seven interceptions. So statistically speaking, I don't think you can knock either one of them out. Now, again, I haven't been to a practice, and I haven't got to watch Goff and Mannion throw side by side like he has, so maybe his comments are warranted in that department. I know Mannion has an arm. I know Goff has an arm. I've seen them both throw. They're both very good. So, you know, his comments may not be wrong. I just get, you know, Johnny, I know you live in L.A., and I was born in L.A., but I don't live there now. But I've been a Rams fan for 51 years, and I've been through a hell of a lot more bad seasons than I have good ones. 
And recently, <laughs> and recently it's been real bad. And so I get a little protective, I suppose, of my team because I think this year they've done some of the right things that they should have done a while back. They brought in a better, I think, a better coach, a better offensive system. I think they brought in some quality assistant coaches. I think they've they've done enough to make this team relevant. And I think that, you know, everybody's picking them to go 4-12. and 12. I think they're going to do better than that. You know, proof is in the pudding, but I think they're going to do better than that. So it's an exciting time, and I'm sitting here looking forward to the season. And then suddenly I get a, you know, a, a, a tweet and all these articles coming at me. Eric Dickerson says Sean Mannion should start. It kind of pissed me off. Because I'm like, why, why do this? Why, why should you be the voice of the fans? Or why should you tell the fans what you think to fans that are already upset? You know, why cause more problems? I guess that's, that's the problem I have with it. So, Martin, who do you think should be starting, just from what you've seen so far? I just still think it should be Jared Goff at quarterback. To me, there's one thing that I always hear a lot is the eye test. And quite honestly, both of them don't pass the, the eye test. Um, with that being said, I still think Jared Goff still has a better potential to be the starting quarterback, at least at the moment for the Rams, just based on what's been going on with everything else. I think Sean McVay's put in a lot of capital into him. Uh, I think Mannion would be a good quarterback if something should happen to, you know, Jared Goff should struggle early on in the season. But I still think give the second year quarterback a chance, um, especially given what's been going on in the last uh, year or so. Well, are we really that bad? Because uh, I forget if it, it was on Bleacher Report. The rankings came out for the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and Mannion was at number 31 out of 32 teams. So are, are we really that bad at quarterback? I think they're exaggerating, to be honest. The Rams are bad at quarterback. I think some a couple teams are worse. I don't think it's as dire. I just think it was more of the coaching system that was last year implemented, which was, in that part, I agree with Dickerson, which was a middle school offense. You know, just run it, run it, run it down the middle, and then pass on third and long. Uh, with that being said, I still think it's not going to be a juggernaut. Definitely isn't the greatest show on turf or anything like that. But I don't think it's as bad as 31st and backup quarterbacks either. Mannion's way better than that, obviously. So, Johnny, what do you think? Who should be starting no right now? And uh, what do you think of Mannion being ranked 31 out of 32 and backup quarterbacks? Before I answer, we're missing one very crucial point here. The Rams just signed Dan Orvlowski. We're okay. We're set. If something happens to golf, we have Dan Orvlowski. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show him. That's supposed to make yeah. you feel better, right? Yes. I mean, come on, Bleacher Report. 31. We got Dan Orvlowski now. We're good. <laughs> All right. But on a serious note, though, I mean, obviously, the, the starting job, if we were going to start the season right now, has to go to Jared Goff because, well, of the two, he's the most NFL proven, if you call that, call it that, but he has the most NFL experience, technically. But as far as Mannion goes, I think the way we have to approach this situation, and maybe this is kind of where Eric Dickerson was going at as well, was maybe we should consider Mannion or maybe we should go in with an open mind. If Mannion impresses during training camp, during preseason, I just think, why not? You know, uh, Goff hasn't really solidified the, the starting role, in my opinion. And, you know, Norm does bring up a good point in saying that, you know, maybe last season should deserve an asterisk just because of the lackluster offense that was Jeff Fisher. 
you know, there, there was just so many things wrong last season. And the most, in fact, I, I recall you texting me during, during the games. I was actually attending the games where I was just cussing up a storm, seeing Todd Gurley get fed the ball only to get run into a middle of a pile. You know, you, you texting me like little, like sleeping emojis and Z's <laughs> and things like that. And my God, that, the whole time I was thinking the whole thing. The only difference was I was in person being pissed off and not watching it on a TV screen and being pissed off. I couldn't change the channel because this was right happening right in front of my face. Oh, man, the worst was against the Falcons. But that's another story. Another time. I remember texting you because it was like I could sit here and go, okay, they're going to run the left gap this time. They're going to run the right gap next time. Um, they're going to try a pass the next play. Okay, third down punt. Okay, here we go again. And to watch Todd Gurley run into a brick wall, you know, people are hard on him. And, you know, some people might be right. But how about you put on a helmet and just run into a wall 30 times in a row as hard as you can and get up that 31st time and be excited about doing it. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> I really think last season deserves an asterisk. I really think you can't judge Goff's performance um, you can't judge Gurley's performance. You can't judge many of these guys' performance because they just weren't in the right situation. Well, you, you did forget the the quote-unquote trick play that Fisher tried to snuck in, sneak in there, the reverse to, to Tavon Austin like every other down. That never worked. You mean every, every, other, every other series, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I, I got you there too. And, you know... When that's the only thing that you've got that has any spark to it, you know, they're going to key on it every time. So it, it was horrible. And, and the slider. I, I really just can't see how you can judge any of the team last year. This is just so frustrating because there are guys on our team that I think could have been pro bowlers several times. I think there's guys that have lots of talent that on any other team they would shine. And here they are in the Rams, and they've got this crappy system in place with, with Mr. Mustache and his crew, and, <laughs> and, and it's just it's not happening. Now, I think you have to throw all that out the door because you've got this young coach coming in, Sean McVay, going to change the entire offense. They're actually going to try to throw the ball downfield. So if the offensive line can give them enough time, that might open up the field a little bit. And, geez, maybe Todd Gurley could run, or maybe Tavon could get that end around. Uh, maybe our tight ends will get a few more passes, which I think is going to be a huge deal this year. So, you know, as much, yeah. as, as, much as I can appreciate Eric Dickerson, I, I just think right now the best thing to do is to keep, keep your comments to yourself and let it play out on the field. And let's see what happens. I think the other thing I noticed was he, one of the quotes was, I was at a practice early last year before I got kicked off the sidelines. And I was standing next to some guys and I said, man, he could throw. And he's talking about Mannion. Well, yeah, that was also last year. That's not this year. You don't think Goff can throw? Goff's got a strong arm. I honestly think he was just trying to get attention, but, you know, whatever. Let's talk about wide receiver expectations from you guys. I know I'm throwing you a curveball because we didn't really plan on this earlier, but I think that's the next big position that everybody's keeping an eye on. Everything I've seen so far about Cooper Cup has been phenomenal. What do you guys think of our receiving 
core this year and you know who do you who do you potentially see making the making the 53 man considering they'll probably keep six maybe seven wide receivers Johnny why don't you start the receiving core is going to depend on coaching it, it might be a little bit difficult to tell in the first year just because hey this is this is an extremely young core of guys this is going to be a huge transition to a more complex offense. So it, it all just depends on how well Sean McVay is. If he's the offensive guru that, that we all seem to believe he's going to be, then this should be an interesting bunch because each of these guys, even our rookies, each of these guys has something that makes them very, very special and makes this receiving core even more exciting. And you brought up Cooper Cup. Absolutely, he, he's definitely one to watch out for and, you know, maybe our starter, you never know. Uh, Gerald Everett, who's also our rookie, he could be a big, uh, big red zone target, which is something that we were hoping to get from uh, several guys like Ryan Quick and Kenny Britt, who are both gone now. So this group of guys are, are going to be really exciting. We're, we're thinking of guys like Tavon Austin, who got that monster contract. If, if Sean McVay's offense clicks, we'll finally get to see the value that Tavon Austin possesses because we sure as hell wasn't going to see it again uh, in the Fisher offense. Definitely not. So, you know, other guys will step up too, like Farrell Cooper and a couple of other guys too. Maybe Bradley Marquez will finally be left off the roster because, to tell you the truth, I kind of scratched my head last year while he was on the roster but if who knows, maybe McVeigh might even turn him into a solid prospect. I don't know. We'll see. What are your thoughts, Martin? I think it hinges more so on the number two receiver. I believe if they can get to me, Robert Woods will be number two, you know, wide receiver going into camp. I'm actually really excited about that signing myself when I first heard about it and read about it. I'm like, oh, cool, he's coming back a, to the Coliseum, of course, former SC alum. Um, but for me. He, it, I think it hinges more on how his play would affect everyone else. It could get Tavon Austin uh, opened up finally where he could finally take advantage of the talent, natural gifts that he has. Uh, with the Sean McVay offense, I believe that's going to help out tremendously because it's now, now it's going to be expected to be thrown down the field a lot more. I just believe it more hinges on the number two receiver, which I, I think at this point right now could be Robert Woods. And then if it could be Cooper or Cup, that's coming in to help uh, solidify that as backups perhaps I believe that it would hinge more so on that particular core right there which I think would help Tavon Austin uh, become the, the wide receiver we always thought he could be and the contract that management has given him uh, they gave him last year I think that we're going to be surprised when we see the starting lineup in the first real the first not preseason but regular season game for the Rams I think our starting wide receivers are going to be Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Tavon Austin in the slot. That's my prediction. I could be totally talking out my ass here, but I think Cooper Cup's been shining in OTAs. I think he's going to shine in camp. Uh, he's intelligent, smart, runs great routes, can catch the football. I just, I really see him being number one or number two or a slot receiver, but I think that combination of those three guys is going to be our starters. We'll see what happens, and you can all laugh at me when the season starts, but 
that's what I see. I think Josh Reynolds is going to see a lot of playing time. Um, you know, with him being 6'3", I think that's going to make a big difference too. So I think you're going to see a lot of different wide receivers, kind of like a play-by-committee sort of thing. But I think the, th- the three main ones that we're going to see this year are going to be Robert Woods, Tavon Austin, and Cooper Cup. I'd like to see Nelson Spruce make the team. I felt bad for what happened to him last year. I'm a big Spruce fan. I think uh, he'll fit really well. You got Farrell Cooper in there. So if you think about it, that's Cup, Reynolds, Woods, Tavon, Nelson Spruce. That's five. There's a lot of wide receivers left. If we only keep six, there's going to be a lot of fighting to make this team. And we might see some guys that have been around leave. So it's going to be interesting to me. I'm actually stoked. I think that them taking a tight end with their first pick was exactly what I expected them to do. Johnny, if you remember, we did a podcast before the draft, and I said, don't be surprised if they take a, uh, a tight end with their first pick. So yeah, I, oh. I, I'm, I wasn't surprised by that at all. I was a little bit surprised of, of who they took, but after really looking at him, I was impressed by him. So I think you had those – you know, you got Higby now who's got some experience. He's got the personal issues that were going on in his life behind him now. I think he's going to step up. Plus, he's Goff's roommate in camp, and those guys have kind of connected. So I think you take the two tight ends that we've got that are going to be playmakers. You add in four or five quality receivers. You get our line blocking on a different offensive scheme and playbook with Sean McVay running it, and who knows? The sky could be the limit. Um, I, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna light it up and 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 have 500 yards of total offense every game. But I, I really don't see us finishing last in the NFL in offense. Then you add in our new defense this year, and I'm actually really pumped about our defense. I, I was, I mean, I I'm a big dude. I I could play offensive line for the Rams. I'm six four and three fifty. So. You know, and to see me doing cartwheels in my house, you guys would have laughed because I thought picking up Wade Phillips was awesome. And I think with the players that we have and with his coaching, I think our defense is going to be easily top five. So if you can throw an offense in there that can finish in the middle in a top five defense, we got a shot. Martin, thoughts? Actually, that was uh, the one thing I did like about last year's team was they were already pretty good defensively, I felt. It's just that the fourth quarter, the mom being on the field so much, they just broke down at the end. And I think now with Wade Phillips coming in, you know, leading the defense, I think the sky's the limit for them. And, they, you know, that which relieves pressure, I believe, on the offense. The one uh, historical reference I like to do is the, you know, the Buccaneers, the year that they won their Super Bowl were a juggernaut defensively, didn't necessarily light it up on the scoreboard offensively, but they got to where they got to because of their defense. I feel like the Rams, maybe with a break here or there, could get close to that point. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I don't think they're going to go 4-12 and either. I think they may go 8-8 eight and eight or even better 9-7, and seven, especially if they get a bounce or two you know, going either way. I think there definitely will be an improvement this year overall, though. Johnny? Uh, I do have several thoughts. First off, Norm, I would love to see you do cartwheels. I've seen you in Norm, and damn, I'd love to see you do cartwheels. Um, second thing, as far as Wade Phillips goes, I mean, you you couldn't have a better defensive coordinator right now. And just seeing the type of defense that he's going to get control of, I mean, think about this for a second. 
This legendary defensive coordinator is going to have control of quite possibly one of the best defenders in the league. Not even the the best defensive tackle in the league, but one of the best defenders in the league in Aaron Donald. So with that in mind, it just kind of blows my mind on what he's going to have worked up for us, especially because I, I do feel like they they may have, they may have improved a little switching over to the 3-4 defense. I, I always did think that Robert Quinn might benefit a little bit more moving moving back a little bit. As far as, you know, the seeing this whole team work together and if if Sean McVay actually does become this this offensive juggernaut that he can potentially be, this is gonna be a solid team. Maybe not maybe not year one, but somewhere down the line, maybe a year or two from now. Who knows? Maybe this will be a playoff contending team. And as for this year, I would be extremely disappointed seeing this team going four and twelve again. You know, or seeing them go even lower potentially. You know, four and twelve. I would. You know, that those were awful eras. You know, back in St. Louis when they were doing four and twelves, three and thirteens. You know, I don't want to see that again, especially not here in Los Angeles. So. To be honest, I am hoping for seven and nine bullshit again this year. <laughs> I, that, that's what I'm praying for, honestly. I never thought I would say that, but seven and nine bullshit sounds a lot better than four and twelve. That's for sure. Well, I, I never watched Peter Schrager much before Good Morning Football, and I started watching a little bit, and come to find out, he is a big believer in Cooper Cup, and. <laughs> It kind of made me feel better because, you know, I've watched Cooper Cup play a lot in college, and I've talked highly and bragged about him. The moment that we drafted him, I was excited. You know, that was another cartwheel moment. And then to hear Peter Schrager talk about him on Good Morning Football and have the confidence that he has. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Peter Schrager is a senior NFL writer for Fox Sports. He thinks that Goff, or not, excuse me, Cup will lead all rookies in receptions and yards this year. And I agree with him. Not only do I agree with him, but I think Cup may lead our team in receptions, not necessarily yards, but receptions this year. So, again, there's another prediction that you guys can, you know, you can either laugh your ass off at the end of the year and say, Norm, you're a dumbass, or I can say, yeah, remember when I said this and pat myself on the back a little bit. But I, I really see our offense finishing maybe 18th to 20th in the NFL this year under first-year head coach Sean McVay. And if they can finish 18 to 20th with a top-five defense, I think you're going to see seven and nine bullshit to wild-card playoff. It's possible. We're all blowing smoke out of our asses at this point because none of us can really foretell the future. And all of us want to be confident because we want this team to win so badly. I mean, I feel like I cut off my right arm just to make this team win because I've spent so much time following them and watching them for the last 50 years. But I, I, this is the first year I can truly say I'm confident in how they're going to play, and I think that people are going to be surprised at the end of the season. So, guys, let's get ready to wrap this up. Any last comments from you, Martin? All I just want to say is, Rams better start turning it around because L.A. is a fickle town. They either want to be entertained. If you're not good, you've got to be entertaining. 
And if you're bad and boring, they're going to forget you. Look at the other teams in L.A. that are doing right now in other sports, and they're tearing it up. They're either, like the Dodgers, they're killing everyone right now, or the Lakers are at least entertaining. The Rams have to be at least one of the two, either a winner or at least be fun to watch. If they're not, then that other team that came up the five freeway may steal the, stop, the spotlight from this town, and that'll be a disaster. That's it for me today. Johnny? Mike drop from Martin. <laughs> so, so, yes, I mean, we, we definitely agree with Martin, everything he said right there. The Rams need to win, point blank. They need to win. They don't have Alonzo Ball on this team, so there is no entertaining aspect on this team. They need to win. Even if there is a minor – okay, let, let me rephrase that. Even if there is somewhat of an improvement, this has to happen now because, you know, yeah, there will be that impending force of the San Diego Chargers, but my concern is over in Vegas. That's my concern. They're, they're, the Raiders are moving much closer to SoCal. We're not going to take that many diehard Raider fans away anymore. They they are they're going to stick with the Raiders. They're moving with it, moving to Vegas. It has to happen now. The Raiders the Raiders are big time now, and I don't foresee them dropping the ball anytime soon this season or in the next upcoming seasons. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Johnny. I think the black and silver is a lot a lot more to be concerned about than the the lightning bolts coming up from San Diego. Um, I think, I think Oakland's going to probably make it a long ways, if not to the Super Bowl this year. They've got, they've got the team to do it right now. If they can keep it all together and not do, you know, have stupid injuries or, you know, or, or real stupid plays, I think they can, I think they can make it a long ways this year and that's going to make it even tougher for LA. So, you know, Martin, great comments. I, I think you're right. You know, LA is a town that you got to be a winner, or you got to be, you got to be good at something. You got to be good at entertaining, or you know, maybe we've got the fearsome threesome this year, or you know, something special's got to happen. You know, it's, it's great our our punter keeps making the Pro Bowl, but maybe three or four or five or six Pro Bowls would, you know, Pro Bowlers on our team would be nice. There's no more mermaids either. Yeah, no more mermaids and and dinosaur conversations. So. They're going to have to do something. I don't know how you can be much more faithful than sticking with a team for 51 years and following them to uh, uh, another city halfway across the country that you weren't excited about and dealing with all the stuff that happened there. But then they won a Super Bowl, and it's like, all right, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy about this now. I just wish they would have done it in L.A. And then they move back to L.A., and it's all exciting, and then they bomb their first year. And, you know, they tried to make a splash with – you know, getting the number one overall pick, and then they don't let him run with the number one offense throughout the beginning of the season, and then they throw him to the fire when we already suck. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a nightmare scenario. So I'm hoping that all this bullshit is over with, and we can actually watch our team go out and win some games, be entertaining, and play hard. Jesus, Norm, I feel like I need a drink after that recap. Well, guys... Sorry to be depressing, but I think we're I think we're going to be on a on a good I think we're on the rise. And if if we're not on the rise by the end of this year, I'm just going to shut up. All right, Martin, Johnny, thanks for joining me. Um, thank you for listening to Rams Talk Radio. 
Uh, we're going to start doing podcasts a couple times a week, so please join us and uh, leave comments about things you'd like to hear about and things that you don't like to hear about. If you think Johnny's a dumbass, you can throw that in there too. Whatever you want to do. Thanks for Johnny thinks he's a dumbass. <laughs> Thanks for joining <laughs> us, folks, and, and have a great evening. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.